0: 2 Corinthians 4, 7. The Apostle Paul writes this Now we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God, not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may be also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Christ's sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. Now, these words were penned by the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit, who also wrote in in Philippians 4 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. What Paul I think describes, I think, in 2 Corinthians 4 7 is what has often been referred to as the dark night of the soul. Paul was afflicted, perplexed, in despair. And yet he was still able to deep down inside carry this joy because Christ is with him. How do you do that? Well, the term uh, dark night of the soul was first coined in a poem by a mystic named St. John of the Cross. See, Saint- uh, the uh, dark night of the soul describes a malaise that even the most mature Christians through time have suffered occasionally. David's dark night of the soul left his pillow covered in tears. Jeremiah's dark night of the soul left him with a nickname, the Weeping Prophet. The great reformer Martin Luther's melancholy threatened to destroy him. Many others through time have experienced the same thing. This dark night of the soul is just, is no ordinary bout of depression. It is a a blues a darkness that comes from a crisis of faith a crisis that comes when it just feels like god is distant not that god in your in your in your mind you know that god is still god you know that god is still real and yet in your experience god feels silent in your experience God doesn't seem to be working. Prayers don't seem to be answered. Hope feels like it's lost. So you say, it's kind of how it feels like to be a Washington football team fan. Kind of, but worse. Okay. I think this is what describes this dark night of the soul, what Paul has been through that causes him to share his experience with um, the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4. We have this treasure in clay jars. Isn't that great? We have this treasure. God has given us his relationship. God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal purpose. What a treasure that we have. His grace, his presence. And yet it's in jars of clay, not iron boxes, not protected by 50 foot thick rock, but God has given us this most precious treasure and we carry it about in in clay jars. Clay jars are easily broken. You drop them, they can fall apart. It feels very vulnerable to have such a treasure in clay jars. As a result, there's the sense of weakness that we carry around in our bodies. Paul says, so we are afflicted in every way. We're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. That's Paul's experience in the flesh. He's struggling, he's suffering in his flesh. If he stops and leaves it there, it is dark. It feels like defeat. But he says we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around the death of the body of Jesus in us so that the life of Jesus may also be in our body. We all go through dark times. Those times make us feel vulnerable like jars of clay. Those times make us feel afflicted, perplexed, struck down, But the great thing about those times is that they get us to focus on God and his power and his presence even if we don't feel him. They get us to focus on the reality of God and to take seriously his promises and get our eyes off of our focus of our jars of clay, our vulnerabilities, our cracks, our brokenness. They force us then to find strength in Him. By the way, I've been telling people recently, when you share Jesus, you don't sell Jesus. We don't sell, hey, you buy Jesus and he gives you all this stuff. He gives you eternal life. He gives you eternal joy. He gives you peace and purpose and hope and a future and forgiveness of sins. All of that is true. But part of the reason we don't sell Jesus, what we sell is... We, we don't sell what Jesus gives us, we sell. But we, we don't sell Jesus at all, but we teach people. Jesus is Lord. Jesus has overcome this world. You walk with Jesus. What do you get? You get that he is your good shepherd. He is with you always. No promise that life is going to be easy. No promise that he's always going to feel close. No promise that you won't be perplexed. No promise that that people that you love won't die. No promise the relationships that you care for won't fall apart. No promise that everything that you do will work. The promise is this. Jesus has said, I will be with you. That's the promise. Now, eventually, we get all these things, but Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us the people of faith that God so admires that he calls out as his heroes of the faith, they weren't living for what Jesus would give them here in this world. They were just living for Jesus, trusting that this world was not their home. These jars of clay were not their eternal reality, but there's a home in heaven that is secure and the treasure is laid up there and cannot be taken away. So the Apostle Paul again begins, now we have this treasure in jars of clay so that this extraordinary power may be from God, not from us. God gives us his treasure in jars of clay so we don't look and think, oh, I'm really impressed with my jar. I have a lot of security in my jar. We look and say, oh, my security is in the presence of God. No matter how weak the jar may seem and feel. Then when you go through your dark nights of the soul, you will not focus on the fragile nature of your jar of clay, but you will turn to God so that this extraordinary power may be from God, not from us. So when we experience, so when we go through that time, we learn, I don't trust in myself and my feelings. And when I see, I trust in the one whom I have not seen I know loves me and gave his life for me. The year was 1527, one of the most trying years in the life of the great reformer Martin Luther. April twenty-second, fifteen twenty-seven. Martin Luther was preaching in Wittenberg when he became dizzy and fainted. Over the next several months, his sickness became debilitating. A darkness settled over him. It had been 10 years since he had posted his 95 theses, his 95 questions, discussion points on the Wittenberg door to challenge the church, to challenge other church leaders to think and to dialogue with him. He just wanted to help the church, but instead he found himself in a battle with the church. And since the church and the state were commingled at that point, he was also in a battle with the state. See, the state had made laws that you have to believe certain things, do certain things, or else you can get executed, you can get punished, kind of like what's happening in the United States today. If you don't go along with the secular religion that's owned by the state, now there's some who want to punish you. For that, or parents, for that, or or whatever, and so he at times he found himself at odds not only with the church and the state, but even with other reformers. The state wants to execute him, and if it hadn't been for some powerful friends who protected him, he wouldn't be alive. He would have gone the way of of uh, of of John uh, of of Wycliffe and and Huss. Well, ten years later, he's now broken and beaten. And he writes to his friend Philip Melanchthon about his w- w- illness. Um, Martin Luther writes, "I spend more than a week. I spend more than a week in death and hell. My entire body was in pain, and I still tremble. Completely abandoned by Christ, I labor under under the vacillations and storms of depression, and blasphemy against God." but through the prayers of the saints, God began to have mercy on me and pulled my soul from the inferno below. Eventually, with the help of God and prayer and his doctors, Luther regained his health and his perspective. But just as he was recovering, a plague struck Wittenberg. Even though his wife was pregnant, Luther's house was transformed into a hospital in that house turned hospital he watched many of his friends die then his son became ill and that son would die as well but you know what it was the midst of all of that darkness of the soul coming out of it that he wrote one of the great hymns of all times a mighty fortress is our god i want you to listen to the words of our mighty fortress is our god Be encouraged by them, but I want you to hear what you learn when you go through the dark night of the soul. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe, Satan, doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Satan has more ability to work cruel hate than anybody else, he says. Did we in our own strength confide? Was our confidence in our own strength, he says, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man, speaking of Jesus, on our side, the man of God's own choosing, Jesus. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age to say the same. And he must win the battle. Can't you see Luther reflecting on his times of going through darkness with God and then coming through the other side, reviewing those times of weakness and seeing how God has given him strength. And then he writes as he continues, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, speaking again of Satan, the prince of darkness, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word will fell him. And that little word is Jesus Christ. So Paul would write, now we have this treasure in clay jars so that his extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We all go through dark nights. Maybe you will experience a dark night of the soul where it feels like God is distant and silent and not responding to your prayers and you are frustrated well when the devil wants to undo you remember we need not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us be encouraged Heavenly Father we thank you that you allow us to go through these times that forge our faith to help us know that you are God, to help us not depend on what you give us, but to depend on you and your character. I thank you, Lord, for the people that you have allowed to go through dark nights. And the real struggles that they've had and the real discouragement that they've had so that we realize that we, when we go through those times, we're not alone. We're in good company. But we can also see how you brought them through, and so you'll bring us through as well. So I pray for anyone right now who may be experiencing those times where they're feeling perplexed and even abandoned, that they would know that you are there and you will win. Through Christ we pray. Amen. If you found this encouraging, maybe you know somebody who will find it encouraging or needs to hear it as well. Let me encourage you to share this with somebody today, and maybe God will use it.